the Tomb Tapper. Heedless of any potential danger, Giblet aimlessly wandered through the ruins of a lost city. He coughed as he inhaled centuries-old dust, becoming frustrated at the lack of shinies. That diabolical mind flayer had told him there was a large horde of magical treasures in this half-buried place. And why would the creature lie about that? In truth, he'd been surprised at the mind flayer's courteous nature. Other kobolds had warned him that mind flayers would uh, eat his brains, but this one had been downright pleasant. It had queried him on his purpose and given him detailed directions to the primordial, unlooted city, although he'd forgotten most of those directions immediately. Giblet couldn't quite put his finger on it, but he was almost certain the mind flayer had been bemused about something or other. Who cared? So long as he got his shinies. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Was that a glint down that corridor? Yes, yes it was. Giblet sprinted down the hallway, his quest finally at an end. He paused as he entered the hall at the end of the passage, his entire body paralyzed by pure elation. There were more shinies here than this little kobold had ever seen. And he'd seen some substantial shiny hordes in his time. None that belonged to him, unfortunately. Something was off, though. There weren't any coins. What kind of shiny horde didn't have coins? There were items everywhere. Weapons, armor, rings, cloaks. Dozens of different types of artifacts he recognized were magical in some indescribable way. And there were shiny stones? Was that amethyst? Jade? Quartz? What kind of horde was this exactly? Eh, who cares? A shiny is a shiny. Giblet snatched up a beautiful golden ring that felt compelling. He gazed in awe at his own reflection within the ring, wondering what invisible secrets it held. When he noticed there was something else in the reflection, he gulped and turned around. There was a statue standing behind him. He hadn't seen a statue there before. Maybe the shinies had distracted him too much? But what an odd statue. It was at least 15 feet tall, towering over him, completely featureless except for a cut across its belly. It held a monstrous hammer in one hand and was motionless, sentinel. Giblet hated creepy statues, but that wouldn't stop him from taking his prize. Even though he knew he was the bravest of kobolds, he figured he'd best make his way out of this place with his ring before... Oh no, the statue had moved. Its enormous hand was outstretched towards him, palm upwards, intent clear. Giblet considered making a run for it when the cut across the statue's belly opened into a gaping maw of teeth. Without hesitation, Giblet carefully placed the magical ring in the palm of the statue's hand. Please don't eat me, he asked in the most charming tone he could muster. The Tomb Tapper obliged him, smashing Giblet into red mush with its oversized hammer. Hello, monster enthusiasts! This is Nicholas with Into the Dungeon, and welcome to another reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering. Music 
If you ask the denizens of the Underdark, especially the Faerim, they'd tell you there was a menace in their midst. The Arcanists of Netheril, being the extremely reasonable and sensible people that they were, thought the best way to solve their society's problems was to create an invasive species of living statues and sick them on the people they disagreed with. No tomb, vault, or fortress is safe from the scariest kleptomaniacs you've ever encountered, the towering, titanic tomb tappers, known by their netherese creators as the Thalad, the Faceless. As usual, I can hear my critics already. Giant kleptomaniac statues with mouth stomachs and hammers? What have you gotten us into? Well, technically, you should blame the netherese for this episode. I've asked a very reliable source for confirmation, and the Faerim report that they absolutely agree with me. You see, folks, back in the day, there was this whole empire of netheril thing. I'm sure someone could give you a better description. But suffice to say, the old netherese had an issue with magic draining away from their empire. If I told you that your house was having power outages, would your response be to create insane statue monsters to go investigate your basement by smashing the walls apart with a hammer or eating them with a rock-crushing stomach mouth? No? Not your first response? Well, that's why I hired the netherese and not you to solve this problem. So let's get this party started by making a tomb tapper. We need to fuse magic and elemental earth, whatever that is, a dash of obsession with magic, a pinch of the belief in the purity of magic, and just a small shake of pure hatred for non-humans that cast spells. Oh boy, this is going to be a great souffle. What else do we need? Ah, of course, the bodies of volunteers from the local peasantry. In case you didn't realize, there are quotation marks around the word volunteers. And voila, you've got yourself a completely featureless, faceless, gigantic, blue-gray statue monster with claws that can tear through solid rock. And a stomach mouth. What's up with the random stomach mouth with jagged teeth? I think Nethery's artistic license is a bit beyond your understanding. A bit beyond my understanding, too, but let's move on. What's that? You're confused about something? How do the tomb tappers navigate without eyes? Well, duh. They gave these ruffians sonar. Yeah, you heard me. Sonar. The tomb tapper is like a submarine. If a submarine could tunnel through solid rock in order to steal your most prized possessions. I hear your next question already. Well, how do they communicate? They chat with each other via skin vibrations that make a humming noise. Obviously. For plebeians who don't speak with skin vibrations, they also have telepathy. To top it all off, the netherese snuck inherited memory into the tomb tapper souffle, meaning that new tomb tappers have the memories of those that have come before. I don't know what to tell you folks, the netherese were clearly masters at statue monster construction. This all adds up to give us a species of artificial creatures who lust after magical items, specifically so that they can hoard them in vaults deep underground, and for whom the height of diplomacy is just basic banditry. You've never had a more entertaining bunch of miscreants running around. The tomb tappers rob adventurers of their magical stuff, they dig into long-buried tombs to steal magical stuff there, hence their name, and they get into brawls with anyone and everyone in the Underdark in order to pilfer their magical stuff. Mind flayers, beholders, duragar, drow, umber hulks. The tomb tappers have beef with all of them. 
Their chief beef is with the supreme and righteous Faerim, their great enemy from the days of the Netherese Empire. And good news! The Tomb Tappers inherit the memories of their ancestors, so they can keep track of who they hold grudges against very precisely. Now, supposedly Tomb Tappers think highly of Earth Elementals, maybe because they're kinda related, both being magical Earth creatures. However, I would like to note the book, Netheril, Empire of Magic, specifically says that Tomb Tappers are reluctant to get into a fight with Earth Elementals. Not that they won't do it, but that they're merely reluctant to. The kleptomaniac compulsion is quite strong with the Tomb Tappers. Now, there is one instance I've seen where the Tomb Tappers allegedly chose to be friendly. In Dragon Magazine number 41, published in 1980, we have the first article describing Tomb Tappers. This ancient document claims that Tomb Tappers would be willing to ally with dwarves and would choose to leave their magical items alone. Folks, this is clearly hogwash. I've never seen this mentioned again, and I can't imagine our Tomb Tapper friends would willingly leave magical items unstolen. This article also doesn't know how Tomb Tappers reproduce, and notes that no pregnant Tomb Tappers have been cited. We now know that they are in fact magically constructed, and Tomb Tappers still have the building instructions necessary for them to build more of their kind as needed. So clearly this article can't be trusted. Not stealing magical items. Does this article even know what a Tomb Tapper is? Now, even though you naturally get the impression that Tomb Tappers are pretty much run-of-the-mill thugs, they've also developed a deep societal culture. Their primary goal in life is their eternal search for the fabled source of all magic, which I think in bank heist movie terms is like the big score. As they tunnel and rampage ever deeper underground, they keep an eye out for this source of all magic. I expect if they ever found it, they'd stick it in a vault they made and never let anyone near it. You gotta store all those magical items you've stolen somewhere, right? Tomb Tappers have also been known to indulge in art. They craft stone into shapes and structures that they find pleasing. They also collect stones that they think are pretty, like jade, quartz, and amethyst, meaning that they've got artistically crafted vaults full of magical items and pretty rocks. Adventurers, would you please stop drooling everywhere? So, how do you use these in your game? First, you give your players some magical items, then you lure them into the Underdark, and then you wait a couple minutes. Adventurers, you're being attacked by bandits. How disappointing. We wanted to fight something interesting. The bandits are 15-foot-tall statue monsters with stomach mouths. Come again? If the standard highway robbery scenario isn't your speed, Tomb Tappers make a great topic for adventurers to negotiate with horrible monsters about. Instead of eating our brains, Mr. Mindflayer, how about we stop those pesky Tomb Tappers from digging into your house? Oh, mighty and supreme Theorem, we humbly ask that you allow us to fight these rotten Tomb Tappers on your behalf, since they spend a substantial amount of their free time trying to murder you. If you're particularly in love with the Tomb Tappers, legend has it that they've crafted a kind of temple to magic beneath the Arnok Desert, known as the tomb. This temple serves as a main vault, and allegedly, all of the magical items they've ever acquired find their way into this vault. Imagine the kind of treasure hoard the Tomb Tappers have built for themselves. You could run an entire campaign based on your adventurers seeking out this mythical tomb. Friendly reminder that Tomb Tappers inherit memories, and if you rob them, 
they will never stop hunting you. For statue monsters, the Tomb Tappers really do have a terrifying amount of personality. If you're looking to put one of these maniacal magic muggers on your tabletop, the WizKids Icons of the Realm miniature series has a fantastic Tomb Tapper miniature. I have two of them myself, because I definitely want to surprise a role-playing group one day with a band of bandits who aren't quite like your typical bandits. Be warned, though, the Tomb Tappers do feature in a modern Dungeons & Dragons adventure, and if you look up that miniature, it will spoil which adventure book features them. On that note, until next time, everyone, remember, hide your magical items and pretty rocks, because the Tomb Tappers are on the loose. Now, with this reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering complete, I feel compelled to make you an offer, dear listeners. We here at Into the Dungeon are offering Tomb Tapper Insurance. Yes, you heard that right, Tomb Tapper Insurance. Worried about giant statue monsters breaking into your home or bank account in search of loot? Well, for the low, low cost of liking and subscribing to our content, you can keep those Tomb Tappers bothering somebody else. You can find more information at patreon.com slash into the dungeon and in the dungeon.com. Not sold on this great offer? Well, our premium insurance agent Giblet knows just what to say. Give shinies now! You heard the kobold. On that note, see you at the next reading from the Tome of Dungeoneering. Hey, hey, it's an owlbear.